Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. We were just having our conversation off air there, Dave, and then realised we should probably just hit record and put it on the actual podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Got through Reading, as we know, my least favourite away trip of the season, but uh, at least we got a bit of excitement this time out of it. A 4-3 win for Huddersfield Town. Weird game, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Bad first half an hour from town. Good last half an hour from town. Middling middle. It was, yeah, Mm. it it was a strange game. There's a lot to talk about, I think, from it. Yeah, I mean, I thought that it was a real sort of National League level game from both teams for a lot of it, particularly that first half. I thought both teams were were pretty awful, (laughs) to be honest, that that first sort of 25, 30 minutes. You know, sometimes you get four threes where it's just two teams that are absolutely pulsating and going for it. And, you know, it's Liverpool, Newcastle, 1996. But I think this was just two two teams that neither of them were defending particularly well. Both of them were, were going for it. Uh, I mean, Danny Ward was was obviously got the hat trick. He's the big talking point. We'll come on to him later. But I think it was obvious from the very beginning. We always look at if Town kick off, what do they do with their first attack when they're on the ball? And it was apparent they were going for the higher tempo, much more forward looking in this game. Yeah, it was the it was the Reading at home and Blackburn at home approach, wasn't it? I think that they were they were going to push on. They were trying to get something, but that was exactly the right approach to take because this was a game to target. Reading aren't very good. They look a League One team in waiting for me. I, <laughs> you'd suspect they're hoping there are three teams worse than them this season rather than they can get themselves out of it. Yeah, and I'm not sure there are based on that evidence, no. to be honest. I mean, I think where they where they did get some success was they sprung a big surprise with their selection. They, they played Pushkas and Zhao up front. And, I mean, we were looking at the, the, the reaction on Twitter from the Reading fans to that lineup before the game, and it was just... A whole load of comments underneath the the, the team lineup graf- graphic with them going. Flipping Eck is playing two strikers. He's actually playing two strikers. They've obviously been asking for that for a long time, and Panovic just hasn't done it. And you know, I think Corbran was sort of caught slightly by surprise with that. I think we've had other games where he's picked Ollie Turton, and he said after the Forest game, for instance, we picked Ollie Turton so that we could had the option to play either a three or a four at the back and they ended up playing a four against Forest. There's been other games where that's been the case as well. Swan uh was it Swansea played Turton as well? Mm. Uh it's only last week, should remember that. Um <laughs> picked him as a centre back, um, knowing that he had the flexibility to 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 play as a right back if needed as well. But I think the lineup that he had against Reading, unless you dropped Jonathan Hogan to make that a three, there wasn't really much he could do because Pippa doesn't obviously can't really play centre back and you had Sorba Thomas further up on the wing. What he did eventually after sort of twenty after the second Reading goal was he put Toffolo as the on the left of a back three. But um yeah, I think I think in hindsight you maybe don't play a, a two against a front a, a four against a, a back two again. Yeah. I is it 
Saki always used to talk about um, always make sure you've got one man extra than they're playing up front. So if you're up against a two, make sure you've got a three. If you're up against a one, you can get away with a two, etc. Can't remember. It was one of the one of the big managers. That was basically the whole the whole reason for his de- defensive philosophy. And I and, think and Bielsa is a big big proponent of that as well. At least, yeah. I think Town were caught a little bit cold. I think there, there's a couple of things to say about that. That defence really they weren't expecting to be up against the two I think Lucas Showers <laughs> has got a little he's, he's got a hold on Huddersfield Town he mm, just five and six yeah five and six across the Wednesday in Reading yeah um, but they were really really on all three goals Town were the architects of their own downfall weren't they yeah yeah big time I think Toffolo for the first two goals was was pretty criminal to be honest because it's not like he was coming back from having been upfield and was you know caught cold and he was desperately trying to get back he you know that they'd come across both goals you know Reading had come across onto the left flank and then basically went through through was it Swift I think they went through yeah and got the got the the ball across and basically ended up catching basically Tom Lees was trying to cover both the space to his right and the space to his left and simple ball across the striker got got Zhao in for the first and Pushkas for the second but on both goals if Harry Toffolo just got his skates on a little bit picks up the man there's no problem there's mm. no goal there I, I thought both goals he was really really bad the, I I think the second goal you there's a couple of sort of reasons you can you can point to for that but the first goal I just don't think he saw the run he just literally just didn't clock the run at all and then didn't he did that thing that always makes defenders look worse which is he then realised too late and was trying to get back and you're sort of mm. feet away from your man and it sometimes I think as a defender I think I'd just stop <laughs> I think <laughs> it looks better if I'm out the picture here but yeah, I the the defensive shape to me wasn't right. I I think it was quite evident that like Tom Lee's, Matty Pearson, even Lee Nichols in terms of distribution, Sorba Thomas and Danel Sanani, they've they've not played with Pippa in that role and Pippa was, was marauding forward and doing what he does, but they weren't there wasn't that natural understanding there for me to just drop in and cover the space when he was going and, and trust him at other times to sort of get back into position. Yeah, because we know his recovery pace is superb. Yeah, um, and I think, as I said, there, there was an adjustment to just sort of bring Pippa a little bit further back and, and take the reins put the reins on slightly but that helped enormously but I think and, and that it, four if they play five games together with Pippa and put it, the two players in front then they don't concede those goals because I just think there's more of an understanding perhaps more trust there it's just it's very easy to forget how long Pippa has been out of this side mm-hmm. isn't it and this was the I, first time he was in it with like a really big role to play from the off as well I think there's a couple of things on that. One of which being, I don't think we ever see that back four again, probably. No. Um, if Levi Colwell's back, then I think he would replace either Leeds or Pearson uh, if they were to go with, with a back four again. Um, and the other thing is, and this is what we were talking about just before we hit mm. record, was uh, neither of us are saying that's Pippa's fault. I think it's no. worth saying. No. Because it's just, it, it is just an adjustment. It's, it's knowing each other's patterns. Um, I mean, I think that on paper there is a great uh, there is a lot to be said for playing Pippa, Thomas, and Sonani as sort of you you three on on the right in a four three three where you've got because I think Thomas likes to go out wide and look for the crosses. Sonani likes to 
come into the middle and play as as a number ten or almost as a striker. He said mm. he was uh, he was playing very very central, uh, despite nominally being sort of the right sided central midfielder. And Pippa likes to go sort of somewhere in between. He likes to cut inside and get into those the, exactly the kind of spaces he got into when he teed up Sonani for uh, the first town goal. And we, for me, the the big benefit for that was not just what they did up the right, but it also meant that when they got the switch of play on to to get it across to Karoma, Karoma had a lot more time and space, and he didn't always use it super well. I, his, for example, his cross for the second town goal wasn't great. It was a bit lucky that the clearance went straight out to, to Sorba Thomas for that one, but it did give Karoma a bit more space, and they did find him, and it's almost sort of the mirror image of what we saw last season, where you had uh, Toffolo, O'Brien, and Karoma going up the left, and that would create loads of space for Mbenza on the right, and that's how Mbenza ended up getting half the assists he got last season so there is something to be said for for playing that that trio on the right but as you say there's maybe a period of adjustment they need there and hopefully this game has helped them get it out of their system yeah absolutely I, I said to you off air I think there was a couple of times when Pippa had sort of roamed forward and he was he was looking at Sorba Thomas and thinking what are we both doing here and I think those are the those are the times that just time on the pitch just helps. They'll they'll have learned a lot just from that ninety minutes alone. There was a yeah. few times that Matty Pearson did not trust Pippa Pippa's recovery, and you could see him come across on the first goal. He was panicking, yeah. and he stepped into a right back position because he thought there was no chance Pippa was going to get back, and that left Tom Lees with just yeah. too much real estate to try and cover on his own, and he had absolutely no chance to do it. And it was, I, I said to someone, it was, it was had a Janai flashbacks, but the <laughs> the thing, the, the difference was, as I said, that they were had a Janai's fault. That was all Flo's fault. He just didn't listen, and he just did what he wanted, and he was an absolute nightmare. And you could see defenders screaming at him for ninety minutes, basically. This really, like you say, I think it's about understanding. I think it's about trusting Pippa to do what Pippa does and it, it will be absolutely fine like you say I think Levi come, Colwell comes into that back four anyway so it's unlikely we ever see it again but I think it, you know if they did play five games together I don't think you'd have that same situation again I, I really mm. don't so it's not like it's a it's not like it's a huge issue but it, it it needed adjustment after that second goal because it was quite clearly Reading did quite well for that that opening sort of twenty twenty five minutes because they did spot the weakness and they kept putting the ball there hoping to exploit it. So you have to sort of credit them for that. But as soon as Town turned that tap off, I don't think Reading really had anything else at all. But the third goal is worth discussing a little bit before we get to Town because I've not seen. Town switch off like that at a set piece this season and mm. I don't you can't blame anyone for that <laughs> you can't say oh that's Pippa's bringing yeah, we were, that was just a collective brain fart to be perfectly yeah. honest with you it was it was an awful goal to concede because we were looking weren't we trying to work out who's Whose man was he? And you can't even tell. No. Like it, normally with those, it's you know the attacker has made a, a good run and got away from the man, and you can say, oh, such and such was on them, and then they pulled away or whatever. But with this one, it's just no one, no, <laughs> no one picked him up to begin with. But they they weren't. If you look at the way they set up as well, mm. the, the way they set up for that corner, they they were just asking for trouble from the off, and yeah. and they got it. And yeah, you know, I'm I'm not going to get overly worried about it because. Ultimately, it's a game that they won, but it like it was. It was just you see one of their strengths this season has been defending set pieces, 
and scoring from them. And yeah, to see to see them all collectively switch off like that was a bit of a collector's item. And yeah, let's not have that. Let's not have a repeat of that anytime soon. Yeah, I, I thought second half they obviously they they dealt with things a lot better. I thought the midfield was still a bit bit porous to be honest after the it, break. Well, it wasn't a midfield game though, Steve. For either no, side, exactly. I don't think it was just the out ball for both was wide. The def- like the defenses mm. were struggling, and I I don't think there was a midfielder on the pitch really got hold of the game. I thought Hoggy was brilliant last half an hour, but that's because he basically moved into the defence. He mm. was you know he he'd essentially abandoned the midfield role. But yeah, he just wasn't a game for midfielders. I don't think. I, 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 I'm, I'll just before we go on, I'm I'm slightly higher than you, I think, on this game because I think I I don't think it was a national league performance from both sides. I, I I just think it was like I think it was one of those games just with a load of high profile errors, and I think it was one of those games where the errors got punished. I think sometimes yeah. those games come along and they they don't, and they end up one nil or nil nil. It's yeah. rare to see seven goals in a game and go without sounding all Alan Hansen about it. But go all eight, all seven of them should have been prevented really, really easily. Yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of found it quite amusing. I'm almost sort of playing the opposite role to last week, where I felt like everyone was being a bit harsh about the Swansea performance and was forgetting that they actually had, for me, a really good first half. Um, and in favour of of looking at, to be fair, a pretty bad second half. Whereas I feel like with this game, everyone's just like very, and you know, I've I've done it myself, but there's a reason I concentrated so heavily on Danny Ward after the game, which is I didn't really have a huge amount of good things to say about Huddersfield Town against Reading, um, other than Sorba Thomas was good and Danny Ward was was brilliant. Like I, I don't think I can really pick out anyone else and say they had a really good game. I think it was a bit of a it was a real, real chaotic game and obviously scoring four goals away from home is fantastic. Uh but I think if town play like that against you know, 22 other sides in this division, they get quite soundly beaten. Um, and yeah, they need to be better. I mean, I, I can't go too hard on that because they did win yeah. <laughs> 4-3 and, you know, they did, you know, Danny Ward got his hat trick and, you know, they scored four goals away from home for God's sake. Like, so I'm not saying that was, you know, <coughs> abysmal and they were lucky, you know, you don't score four goals just through pure good luck alone and as you say the approach they took going a bit more attacking was the right move for this game but I don't think that going more attacking like that necessarily needs to come at the expense of those kinds of silly defensive errors but as we've talked about I think there's reasons for that I'm willing to forgive it to an extent because of the fact it was you know the first time that four has played together the first time that right wing has played together there was a bit of experimentation from Corbran and and to be fair to them a lot of the errors and a lot of the, the bad things really happened in the first 25 minutes, mm. 22 minutes, really. Uh, the second half, I thought they, they put in actually a really mature performance. And the most encouraging thing for me, second half, was we talked last week about about the Swansea game and how, and this isn't a new thing, you know, when they've squandered leads this season, they've often dropped a bit too deep um, and have struggled to play out. And uh, that, that was sort of the big theme last week was the struggling to play out. I thought they did a much better job of that this time around against a bad team, admittedly. But, you know, 93rd minute, instead of sitting on the edge of their own 18-yard box when they got the ball, Town were making a conscious effort to get the ball forward, get into the corners and set the the back four up because they did switch back. You know, they switched to the three after the second Reading goal. But then at the break, they went back to the 4-3-3 and they 
finish the game in that. The back four was sitting just inside the town half rather than on the edge of the penalty box. Mm. And I, that really helped them uh, see out the game. I thought Jordan Rhodes did an excellent job helping, you know, with his maturity and, and his professionalism, just helping them see out that game. I thought they managed it really well last half hour. Yeah, I, I did extra time for the club and I, I, I um, mentioned on that, it, it's the most, that last half an hour was the most streetwise and savvy I've seen this town side be and and play a game out like that and it it made a big difference made a big difference because they were I think partly without sounding miserable you do have to factor the opposition in because Swansea and Coventry were much much better than Reading were but I think psychologically it was important for town to get over the line in one of these games where Mm. it had been back and forth and there was a little bit of pressure at the start of the second half and they just they absorbed it they got their noses in front and then they were just very very calm and and you know you had Thomas doing his best at throw-ins Nichols got his booking for time wasting too early to really go (laughs) full Lee Nichols which was upsetting really because I thought this is your time to shine lad um but yeah it was I I just think they were just a lot more they were a lot happier a lot more comfortable and then that led to them doing the things that just being a bit canny and just running that clock yeah. down at the right moment by those fouls by that tackle in the right area etc and yeah I thought they finished the last half hour I actually thought they were pretty good yeah I mean Carlos after the game was not happy with how they attacked second half but I think when you when you're a goal up particularly away from home I understand you always want more and, and I think the home and away thing does make a difference here. I do think maybe if Town had put in that performance at home, more fans might have gone away going, we got lucky there. But away yeah. from home, people forgive it, weren't they? Yeah. But um, yeah, the, 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 the other thing I think in terms of like an overarching point about the result, I think you win that game 4-3 when you're eight games unbeaten. I, I yeah. think if you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, if this is November and Town are struggling... They lose three one. Yeah, it goes against yeah. them. They don't get the deflection for the the equaliser because they're not pushing like that, and it goes against them. It was, yeah, it was categorically a game you win four three when you're absolutely bouncing. Well, this is it because I was looking at it earlier, and this is going to be my my piece for morning. But uh, they've taken more points um, from losing positions over the past what's that seven or eight games something like that I've, I've not counted it yet because I've not written the piece yet but uh, <laughs> since um, since Bristol City game they've taken nine points from losing positions and that's the same number they took in all of last season mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I think that sort of that sort of speaks volumes in itself yeah it does I think we we spoke about how just improving the levels of that squad was definitely going to keep them safe this year and it has but then they've also they've managed to get some character haven't they that's the thing they've managed to get some character and some belief and that is what brings you back into games isn't it last season town completely forgot how to turn a loss into a draw this season they've managed to turn them into wins never mind draws that's it and you know I think that's a big part of the reason you know this unbeaten run wouldn't have happened if they they weren't able to do that it's their best uh, their best run in the the league since 2012 I think we worked out it's their best away form mm. since 2011 uh, and uh, I've been informed Dave Throffall Sykes and the club has, has passed on to me um, that this is their best run in the second tier in terms of unbeaten games since 1984 um, that's the last time they went nine unbeaten in the second tier so I mean our big 
one of our big criticisms of, of Gorbrand was one the the inconsistency and two particularly his away record his away record was pretty mm-hmm. abysmal but they're they're doing well at the moment and I think we have to give him a lot of praise because I, I wrote a piece this morning saying that you know he has consistently this season answered a lot of the criticisms we've had going into this season it was the defense is useless they've improved that go when they're on that bad run in November. We were saying they don't score enough from open play. They've scored plenty of goals from open play since then. I think they've scored more goals from open play since the beginning of December than they had in the first three months of the season. You know, all of these, you know, the away record I mentioned, that all of these, and it's not to say they're perfect, there's still things they need to fix. I think, when was the last time they put together a complete 90 minutes? I can't even, I can't even remember. Um, where they just looked looked easy, and we, we've talked about these routine wins, they're not getting these 2 nils. they've not won by more than a single goal since middle of October when they beat Hull at the same time they've also not lost by more than a single goal uh, since the middle of October when they went to Bournemouth so yeah I think Carlos has spent this season sort of dispensing with a lot of the criticisms we've had I think we were both quite sceptical about him coming into this season but he's he's made us eat a bit of humble pie hasn't he yeah which is good <laughs> which yeah. is what we wanted really he, he's you know there are there are still things we can criticise or we're not happy with but what's the point when you're when you're on a run like this, just just enjoy it, enjoy it for what it is. And um, I think he learned a lot from his first season in the championship. I think if he could have a mulligan, I think there's an awful lot he'd do differently last year. I think a fantastic summer window has helped enormously, yeah, massively, massively, um, ob- and and obviously. But yeah, uh, I I did a little. I was looking back at some of the runs that Town had for a piece at the weekend and. Wagner did seven games twice, I think, in the promotion season. Yeah. And Danny Cowley had that seven-game run not long after he got there. But, yeah, apart from that, it's it's there's barely anything. And, uh, yeah, you've just got to you just got to enjoy it. I know it I know it sounds boring, but I, I, I think just enjoy it. Don't expect anything, though, because the minute you start to expect anything and there's any sort of pressure, that's when it gets difficult. And I think one of the things that is really helping this town side at the moment and Corbyn is that there does seem to be very little pressure. There's there's mm. no you know, the playoff chat is absolutely minimal, really. Yeah. And at the moment, I actually think that's a very good thing. Yeah, I mean, they are sick, and there are teams that can catch them with the games in hand. But, I mean, that's looking... They, they've This run they've put together means that looks... They, they've at least put a bit of doubt on that. I think we would have said a few weeks ago, of oh, someone will catch them. Whereas now, you know, they're going into a six-pointer against Stoke. If they win that, then, that you know, Stoke can't, can't catch them. They've got things in their own, you know, with the games in hand alone. There are still teams that could do it, but... I think when you look at the bookies' odds, they are very long. You know, when I looked the other day, Town's chances of getting promoted were longer, almost twice as long as Luton, who were 13th and in a points-per-game table would be 12th, where, where Town would be 7th. So I think... I think maybe people are sort of treating it as though it's an, an impossibility where it's it's not. But I agree that it's probably still, if you and I had to sort of put our mortgages on our time going to make the playoffs this season, we would probably say, no, I think they're more likely to finish 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th. Yeah, I, th- I think if every... If we had a true championship table instead of all these people with games in hand, I think Town would be seventh for eighth realistically, yeah. and I think that's absolutely fine. <laughs> I think it's no, really good. No I... issue with that whatsoever. And uh, like, I think the thing the thing about the playoff picture this year is there there 
a lot of clubs in that shake-up. I think one of the reasons Luton are the odds that they are is because it is quite narrow from sort of town down in sixth. I think there's 13 points down to, I think it was 18th or 19th I worked out. And mm-hmm. in that 13 points, there's an awful lot of game teams who've got two, sometimes three games in hand. So there's going to be, mm-hmm. whilst they're going to cannibalise each other a little bit, there is going to yeah. be some catch-up quite quickly and are sort of within three four points of the playoffs in February which is a pretty decent position to be in but town are too you know town yeah. are going to be there too and you'd rather be in their position than yeah. you know Luton's wouldn't you yeah so. and I, I I think again just cribbing off something I, I wrote the nice thing is there's no fear in the fixture list at the moment and how long has it been since town have been able to say that you look at whoever they've got and you just think, well, they've got a chance against anyone. And they've got a massive two weeks coming up, well, massive eight days coming up in a bit when they've got Sheffield United and Fulham. But even yes. then you think, well, they're games you roll the dice in. You know, like, if you if you, mm-hmm. if you got one point from those two games, you'd probably take it on the chin. If you got three points yeah, from definitely. those two games, you'd be over-mooned, however, is, whichever way round, however you manage to do it. So This, this j- is a point I was thinking about on the way back from Reading. It's like the form Fulham are in at the moment. I think anyone that goes to Fulham, you almost have to be like, there's a very, look, we're probably yeah. going to lose this. So yeah. <laughs> just accept it, even if we lose... Th- Green L, just like fine, whatever. <laughs> and this is the thing. I, I just, I, I, that fear being out of the fixture list. So me and you aren't looking at, at you know, mm. the likes of a like a trip to Preston or well, something like that. And how, going, how, mm. how? 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 I mean, Stoke at home is a classic one because that is a fixture town have historically struggled in. You know, they've mm. lost that game both the last couple of seasons. Stoke, are the kind of team that town don't like to play against but i think you and i would you know going into friday night's game are going yeah yeah the, you know they can target a win there yeah yeah you well you look at all their home games and you yeah. think they can target a win and you know realistically even in the promotion season it didn't feel like that at times you've got to remember in the promotion season i, th- I think they lost something mad like a, it was about seven of their last 11 games or something like that i think they only took about eight of the last 30 points so even then it wasn't like you were looking expecting them to just go in and beat anyone you know from week to week whereas right now you sort of feel it it's partly a combination of how well town are doing and the squad they've got and it's also a combination of you think well there's only really Fulham in this league who are running away with it and then you've sort of got you've got the names that always come up in conversation Bournemouth West Brom Sheffield United who you look at them and you go yeah they're going to be tough fixtures but apart from that there's no one in the league that you think well town can't win that no one at all and last season in that running second half of the season there were games Steve that you know off the record we were chatting to each other and saying well they're not going to get anything here (laughs) they're not going to get a thing and it's just not like that now and yeah Enjoy it. Yeah. 10 of the last 30 points in the promotion season, mm. by the way. Yeah. Um, so there you go. They won three of their last, uh, last 10 and that, games. We, that's not promotion form <laughs> no. from your last that, 10 games. It was all built on. They had a really, really good run sort of between sort of December it was, yeah, and Yeah, December, and January and February. Yeah, they, yeah. that was and, when and them two... start as well. That's when them two seven-game runs were. Mm. And uh, yeah, they, they in the end, they sort of... 
when they realised they were they were comfortable in that playoff position, they didn't give up. But it then became mm. like self self preservation, really. But you know, even then, as I said, that season, I don't think anybody was looking at the fixture list and going, "Well, we can we can mm. have a decent dust up with most of the teams on here." And I think they can now. And well, I mean, they lost four 0 to Bristol City and four one to to Fulham that yeah. season yeah. at the end. So, yeah, I mean. And that's not to say we're expecting them to go and win every game for the rest of the season, except no. Fulham. You know, I think we both It's expect... about being competitive, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, that's exactly. It. And, you know, when I look at the XG, for instance, it's not like Town are coming out on top in every game. And in fact, they've probably, if you go on the expected goal difference, they've actually got six more points from, from this run of games, from this run of eight league games than you would expect them to they, they should really have got 10 going on xg and they've got 16 um so that suggests it is gonna drop off but again at the same time there's not really been many games where they should have lost there's only been coventry and forest in that run there's been a lot that they should and i'm saying should with inverted commas here holding up my bunny fingers with my uh, and then forgetting that I'm not on camera. But uh, there's there's only been there's a lot of games they should have drawn, but only sort of two in that run that they should have lost. And I, th- you know, Carlos at the start of the season and, and all through the season has said the objective is be competitive in every game. And I I think that was a really smart objective to set. Not dominate every game. Not win every game. It's or should you know it's be competitive. And I think that was a an achievable target for these players. And we. They've shown that they can be competitive with anyone because it's been, you know, the last time that they were really, really soundly trounced in a game was that trip to Bournemouth back in October. Yeah, and it's it's the the mental health of this squad is so good at the moment. Is so they're so together. You can see that from the way they are on the pitch, and obviously that's not just results based. That's Things are always good when you're winning games, but you can see that this is a bunch who like being together and and do feel mm. like they've got a decent a puncher's chance at the very least, even against the Fulham. So yeah, it's it's very good to see, and it it's a world away from the last two seasons, really a world away. So yeah, but I, I like we've done thirty three minutes and barely mentioned Danny Ward. <laughs> yeah, well, before we get onto him, I'm just sort of. <laughs> Quickly adding up the the goals against XG uh, from last season, and there were uh, ten games where they had an XG of of two, an XG against of two goals or more, mm. and there's been two games this season. Yeah, so what, I think what, that were that, sort of, what were those games? That was that was Fulham, obviously, and Fulham and Bournemouth, yeah. and the Bournemouth. So exactly the ones you'd expect as well. So it's not yeah. even like they've had a real rick against I don't know. Preston or someone like that, is it? Wickham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, Danny Ward, phenomenal on, on Saturday, obviously got his hat trick, um, richly deserved it, and it's been coming for a long time. I did I looked at the stats, beat you to the punch, Dave. Um <laughs> looked at the stats yesterday and you know he's he's a top five finisher in the championship at the moment, which is exactly what the stats suggested when they signed him. And you know, Carlos spoke to Carlos about Danny Ward after the game and he said obviously last season he had a lot of injury problems he basically wasn't fit all season but this year he says he's playing with the freedom of of you know both in his body and his mind and and you can see that on the pitch he's and (laughs) it's funny that you and I have spent 
sort of the previous 18 months almost sticking up for Danny Ward and saying, you know, the stats suggest he was a decent side and you can see why he signed him, but it's not working out for him. And after Saturday, we had people tweeting us, telling us how good Danny Ward is yeah. and saying, oh, it's not just the goals, though. It's 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 his build-up play. It's his pressing. Mm. And they're exactly right. I mean, he's such an important player to this side now. He is. And we're not... Right, this isn't coming from a like a smug place where I told you so. It's just... Oh, it is for can... me, just to be clear. <laughs> it's just the thing is you 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 see the value of the dirty work when you're the strikers also yeah, scoring yeah, yeah. goals and that's when you look at the whole picture whereas when they're not doing the headline thing you go oh well they're not doing the job and me and you have been quite defensive of Danny Ward but the one thing we've made clear all the way through is that he also needs to take his chances the problem was they were just so few and far between mm-hmm. that he was struggling to make a real impact and there's been a lot of adjustment to get the best from Ward, it would be fair to say, because they are trying to get Sonani in particular close to him in a game, which makes just such a huge difference, because the amount of games he was getting pelters for, where me and you were just watching a bloke stood on the halfway line with no yeah. one within 20 yards of him, was, was, yeah, you know, and we did used to get the odd snidey comment when we did stick up for him so I guess we are being smug and saying <laughs> I told you so but no it's it's just it's really good to see he his finishing is is yeah. right where it needs to be at the moment he's really dialed in the team are well it's it's his personal XG is seven goals and he's got ten yeah so that, that well, tells you something I think in a weird way it's like the bizarro Pippa from Saturday in that this team now know exactly how what they need to do to get the best from Danny Ward and Danny Ward knows what he has to do to get himself in the right positions so it's a bit of familiarity I think with those he's playing with that is helping enormously it's a bit of help and I think the the first and second goal are just they're good strikers instinct the 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 first one where he held his run and just gambled on that ball coming back from the shot because I think as a striker you sense when a defence is struggling and they had what four chances to clear that ball properly Mm. and he did the right thing by just gambling and going do you know what there's a there's a chance here. The keeper dropping it again is just being aware in the penalty box, isn't it? And just taking mm. up a position where you think the ball could be. But then the reward for it all is the third goal, isn't it? Yeah. Where, again, defensively it's not great, but the Reading defence aren't expecting him to larrup him in, larrup <laughs> in from 25 yards on the half volley quite in that yeah. fashion. That's, that's somebody who is just absolutely stupid beaming with confidence isn't it taking that shot on and it's worth mentioning the, his part in the build up to that because yeah, I think it's Tom, Tom Lees knocks it forward and, and Ward heads it on now Danny Ward is 5 foot 10 I think just just under 5 11 and uh, his heading is I mean it's hard to I did try and look at sort of the heading dual stats, but they're difficult because obviously there's a massive style factor there. Because mm. obviously Cardiff players are gonna, you know, have win a lot more headers than than a Huddersfield Town player or a Swansea player. Um, but his finishing with his head, he's the second best conversion rate in the division uh nearly half of his headers that he's had on goal have gone in there's only elijah adebayo that's ahead of him and that's by one percent um and um but his build-up play you know his link-up play i think he's normally it's sort of a ball into his feet on the halfway line and he's got really good at at turning his man and helping town get into the final third you know he's he's 
was excellent against uh, with that against Swansea, for instance, and that's just the latest example of it. First half, and you know the flick on obviously for Karoma on the way to the the third goal against Reading was his third goal against Reading, I should say, was was you know a nice bit of business as well. The leap on that, you can see why he gets ahead as he does because his vertical leap is uh, is outstanding. But yeah, that hit. I mean, it was a sensational strike. It was a proper get you out your seat finish that yeah and his right foot as well his weaker foot yeah it was it was lovely and that whole performance and the whole uh, getting a hat trick and taking a match ball home it just feels like a, a real sort of karmic reward for yeah the, the yeah. amount the sheer amount of hard work he puts in it's not sexy to say that your strikers your first defender but that's exactly what Danny Ward is. And he, he did all the things that he's been doing all season in terms of closing down and no defender was, was had any space to clear or they couldn't build much from the back because of his pressing and his hurrying. But it was just so nice to see him also get the reward for the, the other side, really. And yeah, they, there won't be another goal of the season. That'll win it by... If that doesn't win it by a landslide, then I give up and I'm going to go and cover Leeds. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, sensational hit, and no, we're um, as I said, just one of the, and it's not for reasons of personal smugness. We joked about that, but the the way that he's turned the fans around from you know the the where where his reputation was in the summer, for instance, to now. I think you'd be hard pressed, maybe maybe Lenicals, but you'd be hard pressed to find a, another player in the town squad who, at the moment, the fans love and adore as much as as they love and adore Danny Ward. And we noticed that against uh, at Burnley as well. To be fair, you know when he when he was coming off the bench and he went for his warm up, the song immediately started up for him. Um, and the way that he's turned the fans around has been one of my favourite things about all of this season and covering town this season. I think it's been really lovely to see. Yeah, it has. It has. I I forget what the game was, but there was... Um, I think the turning point was right at the start of this run. There was a game where he hadn't scored, but he was subbed off. And if you remember, me and you smiled at each other because he got a standing ovation as he walked off. And mm. he hadn't scored in the game, but he had absolutely worked his socks off as as Raj always says on the extra time show he'd run his blood to water and that was the sort of moment we thought right okay he's you know people are getting this we just want him to add some goals and then he did add the goals and it's Mm. like yeah I think that was probably West Brom yeah I think it might I think it might have been West Brom I can't remember but he that I I mean I wasn't there but (laughs) that that would be that would be it there was a significant moment when he came off and he just got a huge round of applause Mm. like a proper standing ovation it was like okay where he had been you know a few weeks previous to that which was yeah we he he was he was not struggling but I just as I said I completely get it it's just the other side of his game that he does so so well is just not it's not sexy it's Mm. not you know. But I think people are starting to recognise it now. Yeah. As I say, the, the fact that he scored the hat-trick and then I wrote a piece praising him for the hat-trick and people are tweeting me saying, don't just talk about his goals. Yeah, uh, I think people, as you say, they get it now. And that that's mm. really good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm delighted that, that that's the case. And he's getting uh, getting his flowers finally. It's great. Yeah. Um, transfer window still open. We've got another week to go. It closes next Monday night. Long day coming up uh, next Monday. Creative midfielder, creative midfielder, creative Creative midfielder, creative midfielder. They okay, must sign cool. a creative midfielder. Creative midfielder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're looking for someone in that sort of that. If they are going to sign someone, obviously Jamal Blackman's been linked. Uh, 
I believe he's been training uh, with with the team, and I think with Brian Schofield's injury, it makes sense that they'd want to get a backup goalkeeper. Not the sexiest signing, but I've seen him play a few times for Sheffield United, and he he seemed fine. You know, to, to come and sit on the bench and maybe give a a bit of competition to to Schofield, maybe take a bit of the pressure off Schofield as well uh, when he is back fit. Probably isn't uh, the worst idea. Um, so fine. <laughs> I don't think we have much more to say about that. Yeah. Um, but I think if they were to make another signing, yeah, I mean, I think they're looking for someone in that uh, that Dwayne Holmes, Danel Sonali mould who can play yeah. as a number 10 or can play on the wing as well and is capable of, of filling a couple of different roles in the final third. Yeah, creative midfielder, creative midfielder, creative midfielder. I'm joking, but that is all anybody ever says. And the thing is, I think that gap is in the squad, but I wrote mm. a transfer piece that was went up on Monday just trying to explain that the the problem is that you can go and sign that passing eight that plays between I don't think the lines. They need a passing but eight. No. It's, it, it means it, essentially Who do they replace you have to understand the that they've got this far without. To then go and get a passing eight means changing a lot of what has got them to this point in yeah. season when they're in sixth place in the championship. So it just doesn't feel. Like I can completely understand why fans think it's the priority. I completely get it. That it is a gap in their squad, Steve. There's there's nobody. You know, Iting never really replaced Moy, <laughs> and that gap still mm-hmm. exists. So I get it. But they're you not going to drop. Need that player. They're not going to drop it. Jonathan Hogg. They're not going to drop Lewis O'Brien. I don't think they're in any hurry to go to a three-five-two when they have so many good options out wide either side. I, I just don't think they're going to get. It. I think it's a summer project, definitely. You know, I th- I think mm-hmm. you have to yeah. you have to fill that gap. But I just don't. I I think if they do sign a passing eight this window, I think fans might be a bit underwhelmed because I think it'd probably be someone to develop anyway, rather than a ready-made goes into the side. Because at the moment there isn't a space for them in the side, not yeah. without moving somebody who has had a very very good first half of the season. You know, arguably a bit unnecessary. Town's problem is trying to fit Pippa Thomas and Sonani into the side long term, not trying to put an eight in the mix as well. So yeah, I think you're probably right. I think that there is a wide role up for grabs to. But again, even then, it's quite a specific one, isn't it? It's not yeah. a. It's not a just go and get a player who can play right of the three. It, they've they've got to be able to do certain things. So it's yeah, it's not easy. But you're not going to get three million hits on YouTube out of a signing a backup goalkeeper, are you? That's for sure. <laughs> no, but I mean. Uh, yeah, I think there is a place for that sort of that home Sonali type. I think they've both done well. Um, even if they've... <sighs> I'm a bit weird on Sonali. <laughs> I feel like, why am I sort of a bit... I think he he's... There's similarities with Giannino Bakuna in that his goals and assist numbers look really good, even though there's a lot of games where it's like, I don't think you've played great. I think with Sonani, at least you're always getting a minimum level of effort, yes. I would say. Defense, yes. this, that's the big difference, really. Defensively, you always, you particularly as the season's gone on. teeth together then, Steve. <laughs> as the season's gone on, defensively, he's pitching in more and more, to yeah. be fair to him. And I think he's a better player than Giannino Bakuna, let's be honest. But... Mm. Um, 
Yeah, so I think that role is very important in Carlos Corbran's side, that, that home Sinani type yeah. role. I think when they've you know, when they've not when they've when both of them have been absent as in the second half against Swansea, you really, really feel it. So I can understand why they would want a third player, even if it's to rotate those three around mm. and they sort of they take turns in the side. I mean, the player that's been linked out uh is Josh Caroma. Bournemouth are interested. Uh we've you know, we broke that on Friday and uh I think we've sort of we've had that propped up at the Bournemouth end that they are at least looking at him. Um they want someone for an attacking role because David Brooks obviously is is sadly uh not able to take part. He's been treated for Hodgkin's lymphoma. Obviously we wish him all the best and uh, I believe Junior Stanislas has a, an injury at the moment as well. So they're looking for someone I think just to you know, they're not in a great form at the moment and I think they Scott Parker's made no secret he wants an attacking player to help push them over the line. They've mm-hmm. lost they've lost second place at the moment. Blackburn have gone second now and I think <laughs> In that respect, you know, they're talking about the number that, that's come up a couple of times in connection with Forest as well is £2 million, which my initial reaction was that seems quite low. But then you think about this is a market where free transfers have become the norm. Yeah. We're talking about a player who is, I know he's got the extension clause, but he is out of contract in the summer. Um, you know, if they get that money all up front is your position, isn't it, Dave? Then yeah, might be, might be, I, might make sense. I think £2 million quid call it two and a half million quid right now is far more valuable than six million quid over four years at the moment is the thing um and i and i i get it to be honest i think if like the interest from forest we both scoffed at because they inquire about everyone don't they that's the yeah. thing i mean they they did ask if you're happy with Huddersfield town steve <laughs> didn't they but you're you're committed to the club and mm-hmm. not just angling for a new contract i'm open to an offer um, but the the Bournemouth thing, there is, does seem to be there's a two plus two element to it, and we think there mm. is you know something in it. We'll have to see if they make the move. I think like this time last year, it would have been absolutely unthinkable to yeah. to take Grome out of that squad. I think this year you go if we get the money up front, that helps in certain places, and if we get a replacement, then it's all about how they replace them, isn't it? It is what it I, is. That it's they've got the problem on the other side because there's nobody really who does what Sonani does, and if you count Holmes playing on the left, it's Holmes and Karoma. They can't leave themselves short on both sides. Is the thing we know Aaron Rowe is in the mix. We know Sorba Thomas can play a bit higher, but they do they can't leave themselves short both sides. So yeah, that's ultimately what it comes down to. If you sold Josh Caroma and didn't replace him with anyone, that's a very different situation to Yes, absolutely. You know. Yeah, I think with any sale it is all about how you replace him, isn't it? And we'll we'll see what happens with it. Um I mean, to be honest. When I wrote that story on Friday, I was expecting a big backlash and fans kicking off. Haven't particularly seen that. No. <laughs> um, I think there's maybe a bit of recognition that he's, you know, he's not kicked on from where he was last season. But at the same time, I don't know. I think he does have a unique skill set in that side as it stands. In that, at his best, he's he's got that eye for goal. He's always looking to score. He's admitted he's not had the best season, but he's you know says he's working hard. And I think we've started to see that, but. Um, I also can see an argument that he is not really a Carlos Corbrand player. He he doesn't do as much off the ball as mm. as I think. You know, he's not as strong defensively as Silva Thomas, for instance, um, or or even Danel Sanani. So I think, like the reality is, if you were to name Carlos Corbrand's strongest eleven that you think he would pick tomorrow, Caroma is on the bench. 
Yeah. That's the thing. So if you you're going to get instead, wouldn't you? if you're going to get two and a half million quid for somebody who's on your bench in in the championship, I it's tough not to take that, you know. <laughs> it's very very tough. And I know he's got bags of talent and I know we've seen in spells exactly what he can do, but I just think reality changes from window to window and it's mm. a very different reality this one and it does make a lot of sense, but it may also come to absolutely nothing. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. I don't want to. I don't want to be like, oh, it's no great loss if they lose Josh Karoma because you know, of course, it would be. You know, he was top mm. scorer last season despite missing over half the season injured. You know, he's twenty three. He's got loads of potential, um, and you know, I th- he has gone backwards this season. But I think. You know, we've seen that Carlos Corbrand generally has improved the young players at his disposal, even if they have sort of peaks and troughs. And I think you could probably argue he's had a trough sort of first half of the season. But as I say, I think there's a lot of positives for him. And I don't want to just go, oh, well, he's linked away. Didn't didn't want him anyway. He can go. It's fine. Um, but as we say, it would all be about if he were to go, how they replace him. And we know that they've been looking at, at players for that position anyway. There's been a few names linked. Uh, whether those would come to anything if he were to go, I'm not sure. Whether those would come to anything if he were to stay, we're, we're not quite sure at the moment. Um, it's difficult for us to say. I think it's all about how the market moves. Uh, and, you know, if they obviously it helps them out if they were to get a fee in for, for someone. Um, but, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. You, you and I are sort of no more, having explained all of that to everyone, no more informed than anyone else as it stands at the moment no no and it's it's a weird window this time i think that it's been a little bit slow across not i'm not talking town here i'm talking across football i I do think there are there there are going to be a few twists and turns this time the the transfer deadline day last january was just a just dead really comparatively i do think there might be a bit of horse trading to be done and who knows whether town are going to be involved in that i think there's a chance they are but yeah, we'll see. The thing about the 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 other side of the Caroma thing is, there are a lot of reasons that Josh Caroma would want to go to Bournemouth. There are a lot of reasons on a personal level, on a football level, and everything else. Financial so, level. Yeah. So it would it would make sense if it happens. He would definitely take that chance as well. So I it's 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 just. I don't know. It's it's what happens in football, isn't it? Players come and players go. The minute you get attached to someone, you're done for. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens with it anyway. And obviously, we'll keep you informed on everything uh, over on examinalive.co.uk, as we always do. Dave, have we got anything else that we need to add? Nope. Good. Right. We'll see you next time, everyone. Uh, apologies if it's coming out a day late as well, but it is what it is. Uh, we... Probably won't. Well, we won't do one next Monday for obvious reasons. It's deadline day, uh, so I think we'll we'll probably look to do one maybe yeah. the day after deadline day. Yeah, it would make I think sense. That makes yeah. sense, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Cool. So we'll see you next Tuesday. Oh, bye. <laughs>